Hello, listeners, and welcome back to I'm Not the Book Expert, But She Is. My name is Maggie, and I am not the book expert. And I am Rachel, your book expert for today. However, this is not where our host list ends today. We have invited one of my favorite people to join us in discussion. Leah, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Leah, and I'm Rachel's sister. I also went to college with her and Maggie. Um, And I actually only started reading just about a year ago. Um, At the start of 2021, I got really into reading, which made Rachel really happy since I avoided reading pretty much all my life. So she's happy about that. Very much so. We are are both happy about that. (laughs) Um, What kind of books do you like to read, Leah? Uh, I like fantasy, contemporary, romance. I've gotten really into classics this year, so that's been pretty cool. That's a very good variety of books. Yeah, it's fun. And some things that me and Rachel don't necessarily talk about very much, so it'll be good to get your perspective on our next two books. Yeah, I got you. (laughs) (laughs) So, Maggie, what have you been reading recently? Uh, What have I been reading recently? Um, Well, I've been reading our books for our next two podcast episodes, which we'll talk about, but... Um, aside from that, I finished reading Loveless by Alice Oseman, um, which I adored. I listened to that on audiobook, and it was absolutely delightful. Um, I also listened to Amari and the Night Brothers by B.B. Alston. Um, that was another audiobook I listened to. It reads a lot like an Artemis Fowl book with some other element to it that I can't quite name. Someone smarter than me has probably come up with a good comparison, but Mm -hmm. that was very good. I rated that five stars as well. Um, Highly recommend for the middle grade fantasy lover in your life. Um, I listened to a nonfiction audiobook called Cultish by Amanda Montel, um, which is about cults and the language of cults, which you know how some people like really get into serial killers? Um, I think my thing might be in cults a little bit. I don't know why. Um, we're not going to unpack that right now. <laughs> but um, that's fair. So that's that was fair. a really good book to listen to. Um, I read A Far Wilder Magic by Alison Saft. Um, the reason that I picked up that book was because someone on, tw- I think the author on Twitter said, this is like the Scorpio races meets Full Metal Alchemist. And I was like, sign me up. <laughs> and it was delightful. Do you know who retweeted it? Um, was that Hannah Whitney? It was Hannah Whitney. <laughs> it was right up my alley. That was also a very good book. It was much more romance heavy than the stuff I normally read, but I would did not think that was a bad thing. I really enjoyed that. I love that. And I've also just been rereading on my favorite Pokemon manga series, but we don't have to talk about that right now. That was just that's just kind of my for fun thing on the side. Well, speaking of rereading things, I'm. Since the last time we recorded, mm-hmm. I have reread Truly Devious once and I am on my next reread. So if you are just catching up here, <laughs> uh, one of my goals for this year is to reread Truly Devious every month. And so far, I've, I've done it. I'm on my April, April reread right now and it's great. Um, so I read that From Here to Eternity, uh, Traveling the World to Find a Good Death by Caitlin Doty, as well as her children's book called Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and other questions about dead bodies from small children. One of my favorite reads recently uh, has been Eat Your Heart Out by Kelly DeVos. Uh, fat camp, participants, zombie breakdown. We'll leave it at that. Um, they are not zombies at a fat camp, as I accidentally convinced my sister of. I was so confused when she was talking about <laughs> it. Understandably. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm on Leah's side. Here. Sorry. <laughs> um, I also read the entire 
Charlotte Holmes series. So that's four books, A Study in Charlotte, The Last of August, A Case for Jamie, and The Question of Holmes. Um, I read The Bone Spindle, which is a retelling of Sleeping Beauty, A A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking, hilarious, loved it, middle grade, delightful. I also read A Song of Wraiths and Ruin by Roseanne Brown, or Roseanne A. Brown, and that might be one of my favorite reads from this year. I loved it. I'm Um, so glad. I am maybe getting to see her speak coming up, so I'm really excited for that, and I can't wait to read the second book, which I have from my library. Excellent. And then I read one more horror book, which is Meddling Kids, and it was all right. It wasn't my favorite, but I didn't hate it. Yeah. That was the one that was like the Scooby-Doo sort yes. of vibes, right? Yes. And that's right up your alley. Very, very <laughs> much so. Um, but that's, again, not where our reading list ends because mm-hmm. we have Leah here today. Yeah, so I've um, been reading through the Lord of the Rings series. I'm on the third book right now. I also read The Hobbit um, before that, so I, I'm on the fourth kind of in that mm-hmm. series. Um, I also just finished the Narnia series, the Chronicles of Narnia, which was really cool to read through. Um, Do you remember dad reading those books? Yeah. Well, only little parts of it. (laughs) (laughs) So like when I was reading, I was like, whoa, I like have a vague memory of that. But where in the world did that other thing come from? (laughs) So it was very funny, like reading through all those. Um, I also just finished reading the Merciful Crow series, which we're going to talk about so I'm really excited um and I'm also reading through the Briar U series by L. Kennedy I really like that I'm currently on the play so that's kind of kind of cool mm-hmm. and I'm reading for the wolf which Rachel and Maggie are very excited about yes, yes! <laughs> our goal in life is to convince more people to read for the wolf for the wolf and the merciful crow and little thief and we already got mm-hmm. one right our friend lydia from yes. college read um for the wolf and yes enjoyed it i'm so. about a, a chapter or two in. excellent Good. i think you're really going to like it mm-hmm. i also think so it's <laughs> a very like it's not like dark woodsy it's like medium woodsy it's cute but it's not too dark but it, it's not a light story it's like not straight up cottage core but like a little <laughs> darker it's like dark cottage core but not but not like dark. dark academia dark yeah that was probably not very helpful no <laughs> <laughs> just, okay. just i like it so far that yeah. i think you're really gonna like it yes yeah. also um, i feel like we should point out we are live in the studio quote unquote together today yes all three of us in the same mm-hmm. room so normally when Rachel and I record our episodes, we are on a Zoom call, like, you know, thank God for Zoom and all that. Yes. But today we are actually live in person with each other, um, and Leah is here with us, and it's very exciting. Very, very exciting. And something that I do want to point out in this episode and next episode is we mm-hmm. are recording these back-to-back. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're like, huh, this feels very reminiscent to when they were just recording a you know, or to the last episode, it's because we filmed them all. Yeah. Or we're doing them, them all on the same, same weekend because we're overachievers. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but, uh, Leah, you have one more note on here that I think I want you to talk about. What are some of your favorite series or favorite books? Um, well, actually, The Merciful Crows, is, it's up there. Um, I also really like the Cruel Prince series. I read that last year, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And I actually still send like any fan art or anything to Rachel and our, our cousin too. Cause we're all super into that series. We call that group chat, our cousin book club. Cousin book club. <laughs> <laughs> I love the that. three of us in it. Yes. 
One of my other favorite series is the Maybe Someday series, and that's really cool because it's um, the author, Colleen Hoover, partners with a musician, Griffin Peterson, and he actually made a soundtrack for the book. So really? in the book, it has all the lyrics written out. And then if you, I listen to it on Spotify. Um, whenever a song comes up, I'll read the lyrics in the book and listen to the songs while I'm going through it. So it's, it's really cool how they kind of came together and did that. And that's something that's kind of throughout all of her books, right? Or at least most of them. Because mm-hmm. she has, even though Ugly Love isn't based in music, there is a mm-hmm. song that he wrote. Yeah, so he, Under the same name. he's partnered with her for a few other books, which I think is really cool. So he did that with Ugly Love, the Maybe Someday series, and um, November 9. I think there might be a few others, okay. but those are the ones that I know for sure. Because she also wrote It Ends With Us. That's, is right? that the one that just mm-hmm. came out? No, that one's oh. been out for a while. She's oh. writing a sequel to it. Sequel? Prequel? I don't know. Something. Something it, with it. Yes, it starts with us. Um, but I think that story is based on her mom. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure. I think I saw a TikTok about it, because I follow her on TikTok. The more you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but are we ready to get into our conversation today? You do not have to ask me Let's twice. <laughs> um, who wants to read our description for today? I can do that. I will gladly do that, in fact. I'm so glad to not be in charge for once, guys. (laughs) This is a real pleasure for me. I just get to go with the flow. So, I think we kind of mentioned this already, we kind of alluded to this already, but we are talking today about The Merciful Crow by Margaret Owen, which is one of Rachel's favorite books. It may be her favorite. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and And next episode we'll be talking about the sequel, The Faithless Hawk. So here's a little bit just to whet your appetite about the merciful crow. A crafty crow, prideful prince, and haughty hawk embark on a cross-country rescue mission to deliver the crown prince to his military allies. However, will Prince Jasmir and his hawk bodyguard Tavin survive the crows in Fide's band, or will they fall prey to malicious night riders? Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. <laughs> I almost so. did that too. <laughs> I, just, I feel like we need to do that every time. <laughs> right, because we always have rhetorical questions yeah. in our book descriptions, which I think is quite fine in this case. Yes. Like, as an English teacher, I get really tired of rhetorical questions and essays, mm-hmm. but when you are writing something where you want people to be interested, I think it's fine to give them this information in the form of rhetorical question because you want them to figure out what the answer is. Exactly. I think that's totally fair. Yes. Not that I'm biased or anything. (laughs) Just a little bit. Um, Before we get into our discussion, we do want to list our trigger warnings for this book and what we might be discussing today. So we have a lot of murder and attempted murder, lots of blood, lots of death, um, specifically death of parents mentioned. We have dismemberment, uh, vomiting, fire, plague, teeth and bones, and torture. Yay! Um, As we said in one of our previous episodes, this is not a book to read if you want joy and happiness. That was not about this book, but I feel like it is applicable. Applicable. Yes. (laughs) What did we say that about? We said that about what we devour. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which is also a very good book. Highly recommended. Uh, 100%. That was also one of, was that number two for me? These were was. number one, and yeah. then What We Devour was number two yeah. for last year. Mm-hmm. 
That was on our top 10 books of 2021. Yes, indeed. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please go ahead and listen to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but are we ready to talk about The Merciful Crow? I am so ready <laughs> oh, to yeah. talk about The Merciful Crow. Um, okay, I think before we actually talk about our characters, we should talk a little bit about the magic system we have here. Yeah. Um, so we have, in The Merciful Crow, 12 casts of people. And those 12 casts are all named after birds. However, the characters are not birds themselves. They're humans. They are humans. They are human (laughs) beings. I also just want to point out that as Rachel started talking about um, the cast system, we all started pulling out our books. (laughs) The books have a list of the casts in the first couple pages, like right after the map. Um, I also listed them in our show notes, but the the graphic is just so pretty. How could you not like it? But yes, we all pulled out our reference at the same time. Also, something we didn't talk about, but I think we need to talk about, is I own three copies of The Merciful Crow itself. Yes. (laughs) I have the original hardcover I bought, I have a paperback, and then for my birthday, Maggie gave me a signed copy of the book. Mm -hmm. I cried. Do I need to say more? No. (laughs) I like to think I did a good job. Uh, Yes, very, very much so. Not to brag or anything. Or anything. Um, But within our cast system, we have Phoenix at the top, and each cast is born with a birthright, so they have the birthright of fire. Then we have the Splendid cast, which has three different birds in it. So we've got Peacock, Swan, and Dove. Peacock can change in appearance. Swan makes you desire things. Dove is all about artistry. Then we have our Hunting cast, which has the Hawk, Crane, Owl, and Vulture. Hawk has a blood birthright, so they can do healing, but then they can also harm you with their blood birthright. Cranes uh, pull out truth. Owls have memory, and Vultures are all about hunting. Then we have the Common cast. These are the kind of bottom rung before you actually get to the bottom bottom and the common cast has gulls which control wind pigeon for luck sparrow for refuge so they can hide and then at the very bottom we have the crows and the crows have no birthright yes the common cast is like the bottom rung of the ladder and the crows are like the ground yes yes the ladder (laughs) yeah they are the lowest of the casts However, if you are a crow witch, you can use teeth and bones to, quote-unquote, steal. Yeah. Steal would be the language used by the higher castes. You call on the birthrights of other castes by... Your your book just crinkled very loudly. (laughs) I know! I'm so sorry. So, within each caste, you have witches, right? Mm -hmm. And witches have just an extra... A stronger birthright. A a stronger birthright than non-witches. So, the crow witches, they can call upon the birthrights of other castes using their teeth or bones. Yes. It is most commonly teeth because they are the most accessible. You do not typically see crows carrying around, like, a femur or something. Okay, well, I was (laughs) thinking about that. And, like, if you couldn't carry around teeth, like... I think the next most likely thing would be, like, finger or toe bones. Yeah, we talked about this, and I was really grossed out by the thought. Okay, well, I don't like teeth. I know you don't. I, I... Do we want to talk about it? I think we need to talk about it. Um, Rachel's family is very well prepared for, um, if they ever need to give teeth to crows. Um, we, a couple years ago right, Mm -hmm. found out that our parents kept, like, all of our baby teeth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They just, like, put them in a drawer. 
<laughs> like in a dresser drawer. And yeah, like in our dad's wardrobe. So he just has like four sets of teeth. All mixed together. It's not yeah, like they're separated. They're not separated. Are they sorted by child? No. no. They're just all, like <laughs> thrown in there. It's like, here you go. The Tooth Fairy came and uh, the Tooth Fairy decided that this is where the Tooth Fairy is putting the teeth. And So if anyone wants to do an ethically sourced um, The Merciful Crow cosplay, um, you know where to find us. We have the teeth. <laughs> we have the teeth. That's what I was thinking. Um, so we've gone through the cast system. So you have a little bit of background in regards to that. And our main characters are Fi, Tavin, and Jasmine. Fi is, I think, like, one of my favorite characters of all time. For sure. Like, yes. <laughs> she is awesome. on point. Um, she is a crow witch. Uh, she's a chief in training. Um, but she she's a witch, so she can manipulate teeth to use different birthrights. Mm-hmm. Oh. I love her. I love her. I love how angry she gets to be throughout yes. the book. Like, oh, yeah. 100%. I love how, I think a lot of times when I was growing up, like, when female characters got angry, it was seen as a weakness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a, you need to be level-headed in order to be a leader. I love how her anger is her power, and mm-hmm. that is one of my favorite things about Fi. 100%. And they even talk about it, too. They're mm-hmm. like, you do not want to mess with her. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's a crow witch, but... Her anger is what you need to watch out yeah. for. She will also punch you in the face. Yeah. Right? She doesn't and need she magic. Does several times throughout this book, in fact. <laughs> she does not need magic to uh, hurt you. She has no fear of physical violence in the way of she will act on it. Mm-hmm. And I love that about her. But yeah. she, she also uses her words, right? She's right. not just physically violent. Mm-hmm. She will also, like, tell you to stop. And if you don't listen, she's not afraid to act on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love her. Mm-hmm. Um, the only character who I think might top Fi is Tavin. And wh- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but what you did not see was when I said the one character that could top Fi, um, Leah got all scrunchy and cute and was like... <laughs> I love him. Um, so this is Tavin. Tavin is the Crown Prince Jasimir's body double. He is a hawk witch. He is a bastard child, and we don't actually know who his mother is. We and we don't we don't know who his father is. His father left him unclaimed, and we don't know who his mother is until much much later. Yeah, we um, know that she is. So the hawks are the hawk cast because their birthright is blood. Um, they are typically the bodyguards and soldiers. They're the in, military in cast. The, they're the military cast. Um, so Tavin eventually tells um, Fi or somebody that his mother is serving in the military somewhere. Yeah. But we don't know her identity. We don't know his father's identity, obviously. Right. So that's all left to be a mystery. We just know he's a bastard. Yes. And they, they do make several jokes about that. Like, mm-hmm. Tavin is totally fine without his dad. Um, yes. And he is very, very much a mama's boy. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely. Hardcore mama's boy. And he just is so sweet, and we love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's funny, too. Oh, mm-hmm. so yes, funny. I love it. <laughs> I just... I think of Tavin, and I, I get emotional, but it's fine. We're fine. <laughs> We're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. But his charge to 
guard is Prince Jasmine, the crown prince of the country. Yes. Who is a phoenix, but he is not a phoenix witch. So his birthright when he's on the palace grounds, it, he can control, create, manipulate fire. When he is not on palace grounds or when he's not on a dead phoenix god's grave, he's just fireproof. Yeah. So only a just phoenix fire. witch, <laughs> only a phoenix witch can summon fire, but all yes. phoenixes are fireproof. Yes, and phoenix witches can also remove fire. Yes. They can manipulate fire. Mm-hmm. I think is the best way yeah. to put mm-hmm. it. And Jasmine is kind of a little poop head a lot of the time, but we, you grow to love him. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I will save most of my discussion for Jasmine for another time, but. Mm-hmm. Even by the end of this book, I am, I would consider myself a Jasmere fan. Mm-hmm. 100%. I am, I'm a sucker for characters who start off terrible and grow, and yep. Jasmere definitely fits that category. Everybody in this book has some character growth to go through. Fi oh, does, yeah. Tavin does, Jasmere does, mm-hmm. especially. Jasmere's arc really resonated with me for some reason, uh, apart from the other characters, so I'm just... I definitely wanted to, like, slap him a couple times. Oh, 100%. More than a couple definitely. times. Maybe, like, every other page for, like, the first full book. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, by the end of the first book, I am very pleased with who he has become. Yeah. He, yeah, he definitely is a character that I wanted to have, like, Edna Mode moments with, right? Like, jump up <laughs> on a table and whack him with a newspaper. Yeah. Um... But also because I knew that he had that potential. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound like a weird take. Go But for I it. say this because I was homeschooled growing up. <laughs> Jasmine was very sheltered growing up, right? He's a oh, crown yeah. prince. He's almost never left the palace, right? He's mm-hmm. like, he is the prince and he must take the throne someday so nothing can happen to him. Yeah. So he, we'll find out when we talk about the plot, like, he is being, he has been removed from that sheltered situation. Yes. And is basically being thrust into this brand new world. And that just very much reminds me of, like, people I knew, like, growing up who were, like, in that sort of, like, sheltered homeschooler environment. Not that all homeschoolers are sheltered, please forgive me. Um, but. (laughs) (laughs) We, we. Everyone just made a face at the table. (laughs) Because, okay, you were homeschooled. Yes. Leah and I were homeschooled for part of elementary school, so, like, we have had the homeschool experience. Mm -hmm. We all went to a college that had a lot of homeschoolers in it, (laughs) so we all made the, like, big-eyed, okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, but most of them are (laughs) things. But but to your point, like, that, it reminds me of, like, that, okay, you're, like, like, a lot of the people we went to school with who Mm -hmm. had a homeschool experience growing up, and, like, being out at college was their first time in the quote-unquote real world. Right. And you're being exposed to a lot of new things and you're trying to figure out who you are. Mm-hmm. That's kind of who Jasmine reminds me of if I had to make an analogy to like the real world. He has been removed from his sheltered situation and is being thrust into this world and he has to figure out who he is and what he believes. Very much so. And Tavin is the best friend who goes to public school. Yes. Tavin <laughs> yes. is a bad influence from public school. Yes. And we love Tavin. And we love Tavin. <laughs> and we love public schoolers too, but like, you know. Me and Leah. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> um, so those are our three main characters, and we do very much love them all. Mm-hmm. Very dearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but within our adventures, we have some more characters who are crows, and they are some of my favorite characters. 
yeah. like side characters in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Pa, who's Fi's adopted dad, who whose real first name is Kerr, but he is the current crow chief, and he is also 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 <laughs> he is also a crow witch. Uh, he is very much a guide for Fi, and I would also say for the boys as well. Mm-hmm. Like he is a great example of a leader who leads by guiding, right? Mm-hmm. He's not, um, he's kind of an educational term. He's not the mage on the stage. He's not standing up there telling you what to do. He's the the guide on the side. I like that. I also think this is just a good place to point out quick. Um, the So the crows travel in bands together. Yeah. Like there are crows throughout the country and they all travel in bands and each band is led by a crow chief who is a witch. Um, and so... This is Fi's band that she is. We didn't with. even talk about why we have the crows. <laughs> do we want to go into that real I, quick? Well, we do need to go into it a little bit because the crows travel in bands to deal mercy to people who have taken on the plague, right? Yes. They have the plague, they have the sinner's plague, is what it's called. And you cannot survive the sinner's plague. Mm-hmm. And in t- to prevent it from spreading, you have to kill whomever has the plague. Yes. And the crows are the only, did we say this already? The crows are the only cast who are resistant to the plague. Yeah, they cannot get the plague. So, therefore, they are the ones who deal mercy. They also can't spread the plague. Like, they can't be carriers. Yes. It's really interesting how, like, (laughs) like, that's not something I would have thought of, like, three years ago, right? Like, Mm -hmm. can you be a carrier and not be able to get the plague? But now that we've lived through plague and are still living through plague, um... It is something I would have thought it, about only because I've had mono, and I don't know how I got it. So one of my friends had to have been a carrier at some point and gave huh. it to me. But uh, if we had read this book pre-COVID, I don't think any of us would have been like, oh, carriers of the plague. Mm-hmm. Um, but these books technically came out pre-COVID and yes. were written pre-COVID, but we all read them during COVID. In the midst of COVID. Which makes things hit a little close to home sometimes, <laughs> and I think we'll talk about that as we... But you know what? I am here for that. Mm-hmm. I am here for that because this book, I think, is very approachable to talk about illness in a fictional yeah. sense. I, I definitely agree. So that's why we have crows. That's why they travel in bands. Yes. And, and why a lot of people hate them, because they associate crows with illness and death mm-hmm. and thievery, even though the crows don't steal. Don't steal. Um... But continuing on with our crow band yes. that we love, there's also Wretch. Wretch! Yeah. <laughs> We've got Wretch! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very telling of our personalities. Yes. Um, but Wretch is... I'm also on my second cup of green tea, so that's <laughs> part of it. Wretch is a delight. Uh, she is the only other female crow that we really interact with in, in this, this book. book. And she is very protective of Fi. She's very much Fi's mother figure because Fi's biological mother died on the roads. It's a very common thing for crows to die, either from hunger, other illnesses, or getting murdered, which we will talk about later. And Wretch is just very, very protective of Fi. She's very much the mother figure and has a bunch of witty one-liners. And mm-hmm. just... I love it. She's so great. She's also one of, like... 
most of the other crows that we get named in this book seem to be like in their 20s or 30s. Mm-hmm. Wretch and Pa are like the older ones. They're like of 40, their band. 50. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like still very physically capable, yes. but not. Not old, but older. They're not spring chickens. Yes. I think that's fair. Spring crows. Spring crows. <laughs> also, we don't have a chicken cast. Or a goose cast. Or a duck cast. <laughs> this is something Maggie and I have talked about in the past. Rachel was like, why don't we have any casts who, like, manipulate water? And I was like, what would it be called, Rachel? The duck cast? Like, <laughs> yes! <laughs> anyway. Uh, then we have Hangdog, who is also a crow witch. He is kind of Fi's counterpart in the band. Like, they are both crow chiefs in training under Pa. Yeah. Hangdog joins their band mm-hmm. so that he can train under a crow chief. Because his entire original band was killed. Yes, they were all murdered. Um, Which is very sad. Continuing on. Uh, he is called Two Second Clever, so he thinks that he is being super, like, clever and smart, but in reality is not. Like, he is being taken advantage of when he thinks he's being the one that is doing the advantage taking. Mm-hmm. He's not the brightest bulb in the pack. Yes. Uh, but, side note, he's attractive? <laughs> oh, yeah. This was a whole thing. He, uh, when, okay, when I read this book, Hangdog does not, like, seem that... He's not ugly in my head. Well, yeah, but he's not, like... I don't particularly care for him, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of obnoxious in the way that, like, young men tend to be. Mm-hmm. Um, no comment. <laughs> but he is specifically mentioned by Fi as being, like... Attractive! Not, not wanting for looks or right. something like that. Yeah. She's like, he's failing in a lot of other areas, but this is not one of them. And I was like, huh? Wait, what? I, I only noticed that on a reread. I think Rachel I snapped both out. of you and I was like... Hang dogs attractive? <laughs> I think I was like at lunch at school or something and I was like Wait, what? <laughs> and all of my students were like, Are you good? And I'm like, No! I'm not So uh, that's Hangdog. We'll talk more about him. Yes, we will. Uh we also have Swain. The only thing we really need to talk about when it comes to Swain is that he is the only crow in the band who can read a written language as opposed to the crow signs that all of the crows can read. Can I say something else about Swain that I really like? I love him. Um, I, yes. <laughs> I do really love him. He was also married at one point. Yes. His wife was also a crow with him, which I yes. think just kind of, we don't know very much about Swain. He is, does not appear very much in the mm-hmm. book. Um, but he is important to know. But I like how he contributes to the world of the book. That, like, yeah. there are marriage rituals within this cast, and there are, mm-hmm. like, loving, re- even within this already found family kind of dynamic, we also have. We also have other relationships being established. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I really like Swain. I love him. In fact, um, Swain lost his wife to the roads, and that's that's how the crows talk when one of them dies. Is they they were lost to the roads, mm-hmm. and every year for her birthday, he always finds flowers to give to her, even if it's just leaving them on the road. For his wife. For his wife. Ah. (laughs) It just... Swain is the best type of simp we can have, Mm -hmm. as an example of an older person being a simp. He still doesn't strike me as old as Pa and Wretch, though. But he... I would say he's... older than... 
he's older than the main characters, obviously, because mm-hmm. the main characters are between 16 and 18. But I wouldn't say he's in his mid to late 20s. I would say he's, oh, yeah. like, mid to late 30s. I would agree. Would you agree, Leah? I would also agree. People can't see you nodding in an audio <laughs> recording. <laughs> um, and then we have potentially my favorite think, crow. Yeah. And it's Madcap. And first of all, <laughs> Madcap uses they them pronouns. It's great. They're so crude. Mm-hmm. And I love them because they're they're always the ones to like break out in the walking songs that yeah. are like not appropriate. Mm-hmm. But is definitely there to alleviate the the stress of being a crow. And yeah. Madcap is just delightful. They strike me as sort of like the older sibling to like Fi and Hangdog. Oh, 100%. Like, or like that cousin that you have who's like, who you always looked up to was like super cool and was actually right. kind of a train wreck. Yes. I did not have that experience because I'm the oldest, but like, maybe I am that cousin. Who knows? We definitely have cousins like that. Oh, yeah. Love our cousins. Definitely have cousins like that. If you're listening, hey. If you're listening, how did you find our podcast without me telling you? That's the magic of the internet, Rachel. (laughs) Okay, but she doesn't count. (laughs) She seems to have her stuff together. And she's not an older cousin. (laughs) Um, So those are the crows that we have in this book. We have several other crows that join us in the next book. Mm -hmm. But these These are are the ones who get named. In this book. And we love them. Uh, Some other characters before we get into the plot we should talk about. We have Draga, who's a hawk witch. She is head of the military and twin sisters to the previous queen. Mm -hmm. Um, Draga also has many spouses. (laughs) That's something that is, like, noted several times in the book. Um, I think her title is Master General, which just sounds... We love Draga. Mm -hmm. We love a lot of the characters. That's not the point, though. Can I say something that you're not going to get, but I think is relevant? Yes. Um, if you're a fan of Full Metal Alchemist, she gives off very Olivier Armstrong vibes. Just going to throw that out there. Delightful. Um, so Draga's twin sister is Jacindra. She was a hawk and probably a hawk witch. However, when you marry into the Phoenix cast, you lose your birthright. So she just Jacindra is Jasimir's mother and Draga's sister and she was married to Suramir who is a phoenix witch he is the current king of Sabor and he is an absolute terrible person and I hope he dies in a hole me too I hate me three him. I don't like him <laughs> he might be on my insta kill list we need to start an insta-kill list so that people can reference this. Yes. This is not the first time we've talked about it. And for legal purposes, this <laughs> is not an insta-kill list of real people. It is exclusively <laughs> fictional people. And I think that's fair. I think that's all we need to say about that. Yes. Uh, but then we have our main antagonist of this book, and we have Rusana, who is the current <laughs> queen... <laughs> Sorry. Of Sabor. Uh, she is currently married to Saramir the King, and she is of swan descent. We also have Tatterhelm, who is a vulture. He hunts people for the queen. Um, so as part of the vulture birthright, he can hunt things. Uh, we have Vimo, who is also a vulture. She also hunts people for the queen. And then we have this whole group of people called the Oleander, Oleander Gentry, who are terrible, terrible people, and they hunt crows for fun. Yeah, they get into disguise at night and 
just run around killing crow bands who are camping by the roads. Usually after they have dealt mercy to somebody yes. in their village. Yep. Um, they are known for dressing in all white. Wearing and veils. And veils. Don't they paint their faces yes. too? Paint their faces mm-hmm. with like chalk or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. They very much have uh, KKK vibes. For good reason. Yes. And I think that is intentional. 100%. I don't think you can do this with the white robes, with the veiling, with Mm -hmm. the painting of the faces, and not paint a very KKK image in the United States. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. Yes. So those are our characters that you need to know before we start talking about the plot, which is just... (laughs) <laughs> good plot, good plot. We love plot. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, as I, if you don't mind, as we go through the plot, I might just be looking through my book and see if I... So Rachel corrupted me. Let me start there. Rachel oh my goodness, me. I did not. She totally did. She totally did. Thank you for siding with me, Leah. I appreciate <laughs> you. don't even you. know what it is yet. <laughs> Rachel I corrupted me. Um... <laughs> And when I was rereading The Merciful Crow, I was marking it up as I read, which I actually enjoy doing. I thought it was really fun to do, but I think as we go through the plot, I might skim through some of my pages and see if I said anything that I think is particularly clever. Uh, so I read at school during my my lunch, usually, because I don't have to work during lunch. We get duty-free lunch, regardless. Um, I have students that eat in my room, and they would see me writing in my book, and they thought it was super blasphemous. And I was like... First of all, kid, it's my book. Right, like it's my book. I own it. They're like, but you're 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 writing in a book, and I was like, okay, and it's not like it's a holy scripture or something. And even then, how many people write in their their holy scriptures? Yes. So they're wrong. Yes. Sorry, y'all. You're wrong. I also <laughs> think this is a good time to tell the audience um what happened to Rachel while she was oh annotating the Merciful Crow. I started a brand new pen. With the Merciful Crow. When she started the book. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and it ran out of ink! Like, two-thirds of the way through. Not even! I didn't even make it to part three with it. So I go from this, like, dark blue color, and then it, like, becomes super desaturated, because there's no more ink in it. And I was like, is there something wrong with my pen? Like, what's going on? So then Maggie opened my pen, and she was like, you used all of the ink. And I was like... I thought something no. was wrong with the pen, but I was like, we better check and make sure there's yeah. ink in it. There was no ink in it. There was, it was no gone. ink in it. Uh, so then I had to switch to this, like, salmon-y color, which was fine, because I pick colors based on the book anyway. Uh, but I did leave a note in my book that says, also very salty that my previous pen ran out of ink. Uh, WTF, Rachel. I think that is a good testament to how much Rachel loves this book. I think I have an annotation on every single page. With the exception of the very first page. Interesting. I'm not sorry. And sometimes my annotation is, like, just underlining it, and then sometimes I actually write something with it, but, uh, I do very much like annotating my text, but only on rereads. I do not like annotating on my first read of a book. I'm with you. Um... So, are we ready to talk about the plot? I'm so ready mm-hmm. to talk about the plot. So ready. So, we open 
the book with a, a very simple sentence of, Pa was taking too long to cut the boys' throats. What an opener. <laughs> Insta-violence. Talk about I a cold open. I am here for this. <laughs> um, and as it turns out, this crow band has been sent, or requested, requested? Summoned. Summoned. They've been summoned. By the Plague Beacons to deal mercy to a bunch of lordlings. Specifically two lordlings. So, Pa is taking care of it, and usually Hangdog and Fi would then go in, wrap the bodies, and bring them out, because then they have to have a funeral pyre. Mm -hmm. You have to burn plague bodies or yes. else plague spreads. Yes. So, uh, things didn't go according to plan. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, and they end up with these two bodies, and they're like, okay, we're gonna go leave, and they can't get out because their way out is blocked by the queen. The king, nowhere to be seen. Yeah. But he's kind of useless. He's very useless. But at this point, the queen is blocking their way out. So five figures out that one of the people they have in their wagon is the crown prince. Mm -hmm. So then they call the money dance, which is... I would not want to witness the money dance. Oh, I totally want to. I would love to watch it. <laughs> I think I'd be scared out of my shoes, but, like... <laughs> I would be crying. Let's be but, like, real. It, it just sounds such a like such a fascinating thing. Oh, yeah. It's just noise and chaos meant and, to intimidate. But it, it's, like, to anyone watching it, it looks like chaos. Mm -hmm. To anyone involved, it is very organized. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I would enjoy being part of a money dance. I think it'd be so cool. The closest thing I can think... Two of this is, like, the haka, you know? Yeah. How it's, like, all, they're all organized, but, like, yes. watching it, it's, like, what is happening there? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's a it's a war dance, right? Yeah. Like, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, that was a really good comparison. I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. I just read this part earlier this morning. <laughs> well, look at you being prepared. We were not prepared. I'm prepared you for prepared. this one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> More on that in next week's episode. <laughs> um, but I think that this is one of the first moments where Fi really becomes the chief of her crow band. Um, yeah, have we talked about how the queen tried to pay them? She tried to pay them with a cat. Now, and let me say this, as a lover of cats, considering they are taking care of the palace's problem, a cat is not nearly enough payment. And what, what they call payment is called the viatic. And the viatic mm -hmm. is based on the means of the person you are serving. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when you are serving royalty... Um, they can afford more than a cat. They can afford more than a cat. It says a, a stray cat is fair pay for a beggar at most. Yeah. At most. Mm -hmm. But even then, normally viatic would be like dried food mm -hmm. or firewood or if it's really bad maybe a cart or something and then the crows aren't going to take more than what they yeah. need because crows go where they're called they cannot hold like a regular job like other cats right. can so their means of staying alive and survival is to deal mercy and take the how do you say that word biotic biotic and take biotic receive biotic and that is how they survive 
Mm-hmm. So without Viatic, they are doomed. And it's just a huge insult from the palace for mm-hmm. them to just be like, here, take Cag. Yes. Which, like, you can't even eat. And just as a side note, most of our pronunciations, or at least that I say, will be based in the audiobook because I have listened to the audiobook more than one time. But that's another story. Moving right along. Moving on. <laughs> so they call the money dance. They call the money dance. And Fi is just so filled with rage at this point. And good. she... Yeah, good for her. She, like, tells the queen, like, this isn't good enough. And tells the queen that she wants the teeth. The phoenix teeth, which have not been released to crows in, like, a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Can I read this paragraph that I highlighted? Yes, please. So this is page 16. Fi's anger was a curious thing, sometimes tempered and unwavering as cut steel, sometimes raw and unstoppable as a cut vein. Now an old, sharp kind of rage climbed up her spine, forged of every blade pointed at her for a jest. This is right before she demands the teeth from the queen. Yes. And I was like, I, I wrote, good for her! <laughs> um, I also underlined that paragraph, and I'm going to read down a little bit further from mm-hmm. 16 to 17, because this book is all about what she wants. Yes. There is a repeated motif of she wants this, or she wanted that. So she wanted to look the splendid cast in the eye without fear. She wanted to make the hunting cast think twice before flashing their steel for laughs. She wanted her ma back. But since the queen couldn't take, sorry, couldn't give her any of that, she'd take the next best thing. I'll have the teeth, Fi said. Like, how can you, how can you not love Fi mm-hmm. as of this moment? She knows her worth. And she's 16! Mm-hmm. I have many a feeling. And, like, in that, the queen doesn't give it up. No. Like, she's like, no, that's, you're being disrespectful. I'll give you this, but I definitely won't give you all these teeth. Mm-hmm. And then Fi starts to count down. Count up. Count up. Um, of, what is it? A hundred or something. Yeah. Um. And she threatens to leave the dead bodies at the gate. Yeah. Which means the plague would then, mm-hmm. like, spread through the palace. Yes. <laughs> Which and it only good. takes a count of, at, at the count of ten, the queen's servant was sent running. By the count mm-hmm. of seventy, he was back, thrusting a heavy brocade bag into Fi's hands. And then they, then they go to leave, mm-hmm. right? And then, <laughs> and then Fi turns around and she plucks the cats from the steward's hand. I'll have this too. The cat didn't fight as Fi scurried back to the cart, only buried its face in the crook of her elbow, elbow with a grumble. By the time they cleared the gates, it began to purr. Fi decided she liked the cat. Anything happy to leave the palace had good taste. We love the cat. We also love the cat. The cat does not yet have a name, which is why we aren't using the cat's name, but the cat does get a name. Yes. So they leave the palace. Madcap, a crow allergic to dignity. (laughs) I feel like that just sums up their character so well. Incredible. I love them. Um, like, once they clear the palace, they're just celebrating, because, like, yeah. first of all, most of them are like, I can't believe that worked. Right? <laughs> and <laughs> I think they're really impressed with Fi's ability mm-hmm. here. But So they all get their chance to celebrate. But the end of this chapter... <laughs> I love the end of this chapter. 
so Fi and Pa are talking, um, and she pursed her lips. So that's what a sinner prince looks like. The dead boy sat up. Well, no, he said, but I've been told I'm fairly close. And the next turn the page. <laughs> Fi. Go ahead. Fi didn't intend to punch the boy, but she did all the same. <laughs> Fi didn't intend to scream either, but that's what. But that happened too, and with enthusiasm. As did tripping over her feet as she bolted back, landing on her rear in the damp grass. Hangdog's curses and Pa's roaring laughter only muddied her panic. <laughs> um, I just think that... So we find out that this boy who sat up and started talking is Tavin. Mm -hmm. um, I said, good. It's what he deserves. Yes. I also think that that's the moment he fell in love. 100%. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's such a funny part there. Like, no, I'm not the prince, but I look like him. And then get punched in the face. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, we hadn't talked about Fi and Tavin falling in love. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so as, as the, like, B plot of the story, yeah. Fi and Tavin fall in love. Prince Jasmir has absolutely zero interest in, in Fi because Jasmir is gay. Yes. And we, he gets a love interest later and we have feelings about the love interest, mm -hmm. but this book is very much about Tavin and Fi and we're here for it. Yeah. <laughs> I also just like Pa in this scene. Like, yes! He says, here, here, Pa said, wiping tears from his eyes as he reached into the cart to help free them. You've gone and spooked my girl. Which, like, only a father. Yes. Mm -hmm. Only a father. I like that he is not immune to just harmless little pranks like this, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I also think that's when he started to like the boys. Oh, for sure. Um, Pa, her voice came out strangled. Did we just kidnap royals? <laughs> so, yeah, now we've gotten these boys out of the palace and we gotta figure out what to do with them. And the very first thing that we do is we, uh, cut an oath. Yeah, literally cut an oath. Yes. So, the, the, the original deal was Pa and the band would just bring the two boys out of the palace. But now they want more. Of course, because they're they're a phoenix and a hawk. Mm -hmm. They're used to getting what they mm -hmm. want. So Fi makes them cut an oath saying that if they deliver Prince Jasimir to safety, that they will, they being Jasimir and Tavin, will give hawks to the crows to protect them until crows have achieved a higher status. Yes. Or at least not going to get murdered when they walk the roads. Right. And the whole reason that Jasmine needs to get out of the palace, by the way, is because um, the queen's trying to murder him. Yes. And has made several attempts, in fact. So their way of getting out was to fake their own deaths. Mm hmm And they plan to have Jasmine make this miraculous recovery. recovery and come back. And he's the rightful king because he survived the plague. And, and somebody in his ancestry had already done that. And she was, like, the, the pinnacle mm -hmm. of royalty. So he's that... That re that ancestor reborn is yes. kind of the claim that they're going to make here. Uh, so they cut this oath. Yes, I do. As a side note, within five minutes of meeting Tavin, she is already ready to hit him two more times. Good. Just going to put that out there. Um, but they they it's cut what this. He deserves. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. We love him. We do. <laughs> um, they've cut the oath, and now they're traveling with the the boys as part of their mm -hmm. band. And there's a lot of, 
we don't have to go totally into all this right now since we're just kind of summarizing, but there's a lot of, um, kind of just character development. Like there's not a lot that happens on their way to this city. Well, there's, they, they do get attacked. Yes. But most of what happens at this part of the story is just kind of showing more of their characters, showing like the relationships between them and and a lot of world building. Yeah, and and you really do need that. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the part. Sorry, I'm just well, page. backtracking a little bit. On page thirty four, Tavin ran a hand over his dark hair. She's got a point, Jazz. Several, in fact, enough points. I'm starting to think she's mostly thorns. And I said, boy might be a bit smitten already. Double underlined. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that's Tavin talking That made five. it in my reading journal, too. Ah. Um, because she is she is thorny, and we love that. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to pull in another connection to books that neither of you two have read. Gosh damn it, I know. Um, the Song of the Jack the Ripper series, the mm-hmm. main character is named Audrey Rose, and she, growing up, was always told that Rose are both beautiful and harmful. And that you should be both. Right? Not maliciously harmful, mm-hmm. but, like, you have this defense mechanism. And that's very much what Fi is, is she is the the thorns. Right? She doesn't take it, the, the crap sitting down. She's very strong and independent, but still has this loving support system that really works for her and we all really love. But mm-hmm. that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the band is trying to reach Cheparoke, which is a... Uh, kind of city state almost that is just to the west. It's a major east. trade city. It's actually where it's it's east of Chep or sorry, it's east of Dumosa, which is where the palace is. Yeah. Um. So they're trying to get there. While they're on their way there, they get attacked by an Oleander Gentry band, and then they continue on their way to Cheparoke. They get to Cheparoke. Um, and this is where we learn that Fi can't read, and she, this is the first time she's ever really felt embarrassed by her lack of an ability. Um, and during this whole process, Hangdog has kind of turned against Fi. Like, he very much thinks that she is just falling for this higher-ranked person and is upset about that. Yeah. And something we didn't really mention is Fi and Hangdog have kind of a history. Nothing, like, terribly serious. They're, like, friends with benefits. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And I don't... I'm sure Hangdog is feeling some level of jealousy, but I think he's also feeling like you're really going to turn your back on your family for a boy with pretty pretty words. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's that going on as well. Yeah. Do we need to talk about what happens in Cheparoke? Yeah. So the band, I'll, I'll say it because I think Rachel, I don't know if Rachel can handle it. Unless you want to say it, Leah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, in Cheparoke, they bring Jasmir to his family or to his allies and his allies turn on him. And they turn on him and the crows and they have to make a quick escape. And in, well, first of all, Hangdog is part of this plot, and this is where we're going to get into some spoilers. So, um, Hangdog is killed. He has turned on the crows. He's, well, he's turned on the crows to this vulture group that is yes. hunting them from the queen. Right. And he doesn't do it because he hates the crows. He does it because he wants to be rid of the boys. He wants to trade 
Mm-hmm. We find out later he was promised that he would no longer have to be a crow mm-hmm. if he just turned in the prince and his bodyguard. And that's what he does. And, of course, they turn on him and Hangdong is killed by the vultures. So, and in the ensuing chaos, it's, we have to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And let me just find, it's easy to find because it's at the end of the first part, right? Yes. Um, so we see Tavin, Jasmine, Fi, and Pa. They're all kind of like huddled in a safe zone trying to figure out, mm-hmm. how do we get out of here? And Tavin says... What page are you on? I'm on page 130. Thank you for calling me out. <laughs> Um, he says, we have to get out. And Pa says, I'm a marked man. Those vultures could follow my witch sign through all 12 hells. Um, they were marked when they came into the city, but Fi managed to avoid Fi it. Fi and Tavin. Fi and Tavin both managed to avoid it. He said, there is no we here, Lord Hawk. And Pa gives his chief's blade, which is used for dealing mercy. He gives that and his string of teeth. Not his string, his his bag of teeth. His bag of teeth, sorry. His bag of teeth to Phi. And Phi is... Phi knows what this means. Like, and she's like, no, I'm not going to do this. Mm -hmm. And he says, you have to keep the oath. You have to get the prince to his allies, to people who will actually protect him. Um... And Fi is, like, understandably very distraught and is like, no, I'm going to stay here with you or I'm not leaving without you. And Pa turns to Tavin and says to Tavin, you need to get them out of here. And And Tavin says... Tavin says... Yes, yes, Chief! (laughs) Because he he follows orders. Like, that's... Mm -hmm. Yes. He will do whatever is necessary to make whatever happen. Yeah, he didn't always want to take orders from a crow chief, but he... Will do what is necessary. Yeah. He has to keep Jasmine alive, and now Fi, like, the, the three of them are kind of stuck together, because they have mm-hmm. to keep the oath, find mm-hmm. whatever allies they can to keep that oath, but they have to get out of this situation first. Mm-hmm. I like that Pa trusts Tavin to mm-hmm. get this done. To protect his daughter. Yeah. Right? Like That's his girl. You've got him spooked, my girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I read? I might skim some of this. I wrote like a whole page of words at the end of this <laughs> chapter. Um, I'll just read some selections here. Some selections from Maggie. <laughs> I'm really emotional about this scene, especially the final exchange between Phi, Tavin, and Pa. Tavin is determined to get them all out before Pa tells him that isn't happening. So Tavin is determined to save Pa as well, right? Mm-hmm. Then we see Pa finish handing the mantle over to Phi, which he's Which he's been working up to. Like, he's handing over the mantle of Chief to Fi. He knows this is going to be a lot for her, but he has faith in her, and he knows she'll be able to keep the oath. But he also realizes this will be hard for her, and he trusts Tavin, who by all rights Pa should distrust and even hate. Hawks are notorious for being unkind to crows. I have a text evidence about that that I'll read after this. And he trusts Tavin, who he should not, he trusts Tavin to get Fi and Jasmine to safety, and I said, TBH, it's more important about Fi, but, like, Jasmine is here, too, and he's part of the package, <laughs> I guess. Um, well, because they, they have to keep the oath, otherwise right. it haunts them in their next lifetime. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Tavin doesn't argue with Pa. He just says, yes, Chief, like a soldier taking orders from a superior. He respects Pa as a leader, despite their difference in caste. Mm-hmm. 
So I just have a lot of feelings about that, obviously. And when it comes to trusting the hops, literally, like, five, six pages before this on 124, we have the the three main characters, Fi, Jasmir, and Tavin, all in an upper area of Cheproke. And Fi is getting pulled away from the boys. Like, she is... Her, her hood is yanked back, and a hot guard has a, a an iron grip on her, is what it says. Um, and the next thing you know, we have uh, somebody else talking, and it, it says, What do you think you're doing? A fish shot over her shoulder, cold, cold, closed around the hawk's wrist and gave it a vicious wrench. The guard let go with a yelp and reached for the sword strapped at his side. Somehow, in the last few days, Fi had forgotten how fast Tavin could move. It seemed all she did was blink, and the market guard was already crushed up against the wall, Tavin's elbow pushing into his windpipe. Easy, cousin, Tavin said tightly, more a threat than a reassurance. Think nice and hard about your next about what your next move is, because if you're lucky, I'll just settle for letting Aunt Loka strip your hide. And then the, the guard recognizes Tavin and the prince, and Tavin goes, are you a special kind of stupid? Um, what what part of think next think about your next move was unclear, continuing on. And then the, the guard continues talking kind of about Tavin and Fi, and the guard goes, I thought you'd come alone, the guard mumbled. Not with him or your honey rag here. Since when do you suck crow sugar? And back up against the wall, the hawk guard went fist first, or face first this time. Tavin's voice turned to a razor-sharp calm that warned of thin ice. I suppose, shut up and listen was a tall order, but do it for your country, all right? I want you to tell, and then they continue on about getting the attention of the the leader of Cheparok. Mm -hmm. So, immediately before we have Pa trusting Tavin to get Fi out, we have Tavin, A, protecting Fi, but also we have this, like, betrayal of the hawk code because the hawk code is to protect their country and kingdom and like it or not the crows are part of their country and that's the end of part one and we have them then running away from the mm. the people that are hunting yeah. them they flee chaparok and when they finally kind of get their bearings they come up with a plan to go to trigavoy 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 um to meet with master general draga yes who we know is jasimir's aunt right and that is where we are cutting today's episode. We talked so much that we decided to split it up into two episodes. So catch us next week for the second half, aka parts two and three of The Merciful Crow. However, if you want to find any of our social media, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all under Book Expert Pod. And you can feel free to send us an email at notthebookexpert at gmail.com, and we will gladly get back to you. So until next week, bye! I'm nervous. Why? Don't be nervous. It's not like we have a live studio audience Mm -hmm. or anything. Rachel cleans up all of our nonsense in post. I do. (laughs) She really does. Kind of a miracle worker. She is.